Welcome back to the Exit Vila podcast. I'm Adam Cohen alongside Henry Winklehick and Ben Rossi. Fellas, first off, happy post-Turkey Day, and how was your Thanksgiving? Happy post-Turkey Day to you too, Adam. It was great. It was nice to be with close family, maybe not quite as big as normal years, but my family doesn't really usually do a huge Thanksgiving anyway, so... Great food. Got to watch some football. I know uh, nowhere baseball podcast, but still enjoy some of those other sports. But hope yours was good too, Adam and and Ben. Hope you had a good one as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful. And just going through this Thanksgiving, I mean, just like making it through this year, and just I was just I was just reflecting on. I mean, reflecting besides being thankful for the great time I got to spend with my family and everything, just reflecting on so many things we're thankful for this year. I mean, especially thankful from a baseball standpoint that like we had, we had a great season to talk about great, exciting season, despite everything going on in the world and to have always have this great entertaining distraction with baseball. And just even during times like now in the off season, now it's, I'm just so thankful that there's always stuff in this great sport in this great sport to discuss. I agree. There's a lot to be thankful for, of course, getting through the season, having no one die, of course, in Major League Baseball. That's always a plus, and all of us got to spend time with our families despite going through a pandemic. So I'm happy that you two also had an enjoyable Thanksgiving. Hope that all of our viewers, too, had an enjoyable Thanksgiving as well. Unfortunately, we did not get to see any great Thanksgiving trades or signings or too much like that. There's not too, too much baseball updates, but the first one that we should get into that's very peculiar is that Randy Rosarena, that name should sound very familiar to all of us because he was lights out in the postseason, set a record with 10 home runs in the postseason most all time, despite him being just a rookie. Still eligible for Rookie of the Year next year, by the way. He was also the American League Championship Series MVP. But he was detained back in Mexico. He's originally from Cuba, but lives in Mexico in offseason. That's because... He tried to abduct his daughter from his baby mama and then also got an altercation with his baby mama's father. So that kind of put him in jail for the night. And then he was released. And at the same time, there was no legal action taken against him. So does this impact his 2021 season? Is it a big knock on his career so far, a bit of a sour note? Or will this just blow over? I think probably a little bit too early to say too definitively right now. Um, we were talking a little bit pre-show, and Adam, as you noted, the MLB investigation still ongoing. Uh, I thought it was perhaps interesting to see that the legal charges were dropped in the case. Um, so no, doesn't look like any jail time or anything for Rosarena, but certainly the league could still suspend him, and that would yeah definitely be a, a damper on the start of a potential Rookie of the Year season. So. It'll be interesting to see what the league does and, and how they handle this going forward. Yeah, we were also discussing before, interesting enough, about how like a similar thing happened to Aroldis Chapman a few years ago with his girlfriend, and he got suspended for 30 days. So it's just going to be interesting. This will definitely define how the league's changed, seeing how they issue this punishment, because I really wouldn't be surprised to see a change in like the league's discipline either if you think about it. I mean, just look at just look at how they let all the Astros players go for like a – for like a scandal that could potentially shake up the game. I mean, I know this is obviously very different. This is like potentially domestic violence in the world. But I mean, I mean, but I mean, like this is, but I mean, this is 
something that maybe didn't shake up the reputation of the game nearly as much. So I'm actually wouldn't be surprised if they didn't issue him the same suspension they gave to someone like Chapman. You guys both make very good points. For example, it has better are justifiable and even without the legal actions I don't know if he ended up hurting his girlfriend, but I know that he fired like five shots and place afterward a third suspension. I would be surprised not a suspension for I think it's gonna be very possible matter of the result. Is a bit too early to tell. You make a good point too, Adam, and and I think my audio was breaking up a little bit while you were talking, but I think I heard most of it. And that it, you know, it is hard to compare it to the Chapman, just uh, the Chapman incident, being that different circumstances, and and maybe you would say, you know, no report of like a weapon being fired into the air or anything. So maybe I'm inclined to say that. This doesn't seem so bad, uh, but I guess right now we still don't know all the facts of the case, and it' perhaps too early to tell. But like you guys have been saying, I wouldn't really be surprised to see some kind of suspension coming for Rosarena. Yeah, we'll have to see about that. I mean, this would be—I mean, this would definitely be if 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 it ended up being investigated, and he ended up getting suspended, and it ended up being like the seriousness that we thought this could—I mean, potentially. Unfortunate, unfortunately damaged the, the great reputation he was just starting to build up these past few months. I mean, breaking the all-time postseason home run record and just the future he looks like he's building up as a player. So we'll just see how this plays out. But this could definitely be, I mean, how this plays out, even though he's just one individual player, how this plays out for him could be have a big impact on the game for sure. It will also, of course, have a huge impact on the Rays because Rosarena, at least on Roto Champs, which is a very popular MLB website, is slated to be in the middle of the order. He's been described as a Cuban Mookie Betts. Of course, he has an entire career ahead of him. And the Rays, even though they won the American League East in a 60-game sprint, it's going to be much harder to do that in a 162-game season. So without their star player for even a fifth of the season or a fourth of the season, that could be a huge damper on their, I guess, team performance. That's another Oh, shoot. Sorry. I didn't know my audio was cutting out there. The, I think the picture just didn't add up. But another great point, Adam, and a team that it's kind of hard to come by stars in that batting order that, you know, it's and maybe Austin Meadows. You look around, there's not a whole lot of steady bats that, you know, you're going to be able to rely on for the whole season. And coming into the year, a lot of us would have picked Rosarena to be that guy. And, and which isn't to say he still can't be. But yeah, suspension. And then maybe you, you struggle to find your rhythm from there. You could kind of see a season getting out of control. You, I mean, you never want to start it with anything like this and just definitely not a, a good look for a young guy and, you know, not a, not a good time when baseball is trying to grow the game and you need young marketable players. Another reason why it'll be difficult for the race because they lost Charlie Morton to free agency this past week. He did sign with the Braves, a one-year 15 million deal, which I honestly found hilarious because the Rays declined his $50 million option. The Rays are in a big financial burden right now. They were one of the teams that were hit hard.
Ben, are you seeing Henry a bit uh, kind of out on the connection? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just got – I missed the last of – I'm just kind of what you said because it just got kind of glitchy there on, with your screen. Can you okay. hear me? I can hear you, Ben. All right, I think we just lost Adam, though. I was struggling to hear Adam, too. Yeah, I couldn't really – I don't know. I couldn't really – I mean, he said – Ben, ben, I mean, I didn't, but yeah, he was getting really glitchy. Was I kind of just me. Adam, you're back. Welcome back. <laughs> I think we're all back. back. Yeah. All right. Um, sure, Henry, you want to respond to what I was saying about uh, Charlie Morton, the Braves, and how it's a good the order relation arm for them? Yeah, I, I missed a little bit of what you said about Charlie Morton, uh, but, you know, with the I do have our outline in front of me, but yeah, I'm sorry. Our internet is, is acting up a little bit somewhere along the line tonight. So thank you all for, for bearing with us with our technical difficulties, but certainly a huge addition for the Braves getting Charlie Morton and you don't have to commit long-term to him, which I mean, you definitely don't want to with a 37 year old aging arm. Um, so, I mean, I think this is an awesome kind of slam dunk deal for Atlanta, if you will. And, uh, Adam, as I'm sure you mentioned too, Charlie Morton did struggle in, in 2020, which, I mean, it's hard to hold the shortened season, a weird season against anybody, uh, especially when you've got to pitch against exclusively AL East lineups. So I think he bounces back, and, and I think that's definitely at least a middle-of-the-rotation arm for Atlanta, if not ace potential and a guy who has playoff experience. So I love it for the Braves, man. I agree. I totally agree with Henry there. I mean, just seeing, even though he did have a little bit of a down year this past year, I was ERA was north of four, and it was he, and he definitely regressed a little bit. I just don't think there's too much of an issue here because, in the fact because of the fact that he's that, that I mean, he, he, you just saw what he was able to do for the Rays in the postseason. He's kind of that postseason pitcher that any team could use, right? now for sure i mean both with his time with the rays and with the astros he started to look i mean really good too especially especially in the world series so i mean the braves rotation just overall looks better with him i think he might have just been that one piece that braves were looking for in their in, in their quest to finally like make it further and just go all the way in october he might have been that one missing piece i mean the braves definitely i think are the team going for it all right now Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Ben. I think the Braves Three. were. Oh shit! Adam, did Henry go ahead? Oh shoot! I'm sorry. My bad. I yeah, internet is yeah. acting up tonight. But yeah, the Braves, a team that's just a couple pieces away, and you know already maybe a World Series contender for sure, if not one of the favorites coming in. Um, so I think that a definitely great move adding Morton. It's exactly the kind of team you would expect to to take on his services. You usually 
old veteran starting pitchers like that looking kind of for one more shot at a ring and, and usually veteran teams looking for veteran pitching postseason experience. Um, but I think an interesting thing that we want to talk about here is what that means for the starting pitcher market going forward. And do we kind of see this deal maybe start setting a trend for starting pitchers? Do we expect to see maybe some more starting pitchers coming off the board? Or is this maybe just kind of an isolated incident? Well, one of the things I got to look at here is, I mean, I'm looking at some of these other starting pitching names we have here as options in free agency, particularly the top ones like Trevor Bauer and, I mean, Masahiro Tanaka. I mean, the thing, the thing is with these free agents, there's not as much, it's not as, the free agent market isn't as strong with like the pitching in the free agent and with Morton, I mean, because of his inconsistencies, I think he might've been maybe a little more of a steal in the free agency market. So it's, I think it's still hard for me to say in terms of if this is going to start a trend of, of teams really going and picking and picking at pitchers. I mean, obviously we haven't gotten to that point yet. Really that comes more in like December and possibly January when like we see, when we see the mega contracts come out. Well, one interesting thing that happened is that other pitchers were trying to get these multi such as Trevor Bauer, Masahiro Tanaka, to get signed high-priced one-year deals. And we saw that Drew Smiley, he shot the world when he signed a one-year $11 million deal with the Braves. That was very high on his end. Even more than getting normal value for him on a down year, that was a little surprising. So you can see someone such as James Patson getting – around the same deal as Charlie Morton, or we can see pitchers such as Julio Teheran maybe getting an eight to nine million deal. So I think we're going to see a lot of one-year deals this year for a lot of pitchers, and that even could include Trevor Bauer for that matter. I would expect to see that as well for the most part, Adam. I think that will be a trend going forward and certainly has been a trend that we've seen so far. I think that's maybe teams just being conservative with their money and maybe players being conservative with their options too, knowing that the new collective bargaining agreement is coming up after the 2021 season. And then, you know, it's, it's no secret baseball is, is getting tight with the money uh, that, you know, pennies are, are being pinched and that, but uh, you know, I mean, these guys are getting decent contracts in terms of like the, the per year value, but anytime you're signing a shorter deal like that, you're, going to get better yearly money um so i guess that makes sense and but um you know i guess encouraging that the market isn't totally tanking for starting pitchers guys are getting paid um but there's yeah there's really not a whole lot of of great options left out there so i, I don't know if you know if, if this is going to spark like a buying spree or something all of a sudden one option for example that we, we definitely should get into best option is Trevor Bauer. He's the ball of eight. And I guess Bauer might sign a one-year deal, but essentially friend that if he sent a multi-year deal in free agency, that his friend would get to shoot in the... 
it's kind of like we can have two different types of contracts from the one-year deal or the multi-year deal. And obviously, the multi-year deal, he would be financially set for 20 more years, and that would be preferable. So he kind of almost dug himself in a hole there. Anyway, with Bauer, of course, he just won the 2020 AL Cy Young Award, 100 strikeouts, pitched to a 1.73 ERA. And he's an interesting pitcher because he's only had these like two exceptional seasons. And that was back in 2020. Am I up now? I'm sorry. I don't know. Just again, Adam kind of his video kind of buffered on me a little bit. <laughs> Man, I'm interested to see what this sounds like from the outside if, if this is buffering too. But uh, I think. I did hear the beginning of what Adam said, and we were talking about the one-year versus multi-year for for Bauer. I know the the bet with his friend and the paintball gun and everything. And Bauer's has lived up to that bet so far in his career, only signing one-year deals thus far, and and kind of believing in himself that he can maximize value and just pitch lights out and continue to get paid more and more on those one-year deals. But I mean, I think now it is going to make sense for him to take that multi-year deal and hopefully his friend will let him out of the bet or he'll have like so many hundreds of millions of dollars that it won't matter. Um, I mean, I think Trevor Bauer would get absolutely paid on a, a multi-year contract. And I think it's just going to make sense for him to sign that and get a little bit of long-term security. It will be interested to see, or I will be interested to see where that ends up being though, because uh, kind of no shortage of, of suitors for his services. He's clearly the best starting pitcher on the market. Um, ben, are you with me in agreeing you think it'll be multi-years for Bauer? Or are you expecting more of a one-year deal? And where do you think he might end up pitching? Under normal circumstances, you know, I would be with you in the whole multi-year deal. But obviously, with these teams in budget deficits and not knowing their future, being able to sign some of their other players, I'm not totally sold on him getting a multi-year deal. And I mean, we, let's just look at a lot of the suitors that we that we had for him. I mean, a lot of the suitors who he had, it's questionable how much they'll be spending. For example, the major suitors for Bauer are going to be, it seems like they're going to be the Yankees, possibly re-signing with the Reds. Angels, which I think is looking really likely that they'll try and pursue an option on, that they'll try and pursue him big way they tried to pursue whole last season because, I mean, pitching's obviously their biggest need. Then there's the possibility of, like, the Mets or the Padres even building on him in several dark horses. But I just look at all those teams and looking at what they're doing with free agency. And I mean, none, I mean, the only, only, only one of those teams that, like, is really expected in this – I was reading a Bleacher Report article that kind of – rank the spenders and saying who they expect to be the real spenders. The only team I could maybe see actually being a spender to want to pursue a big multi-year deal like that would be the Mets. But even like the Mets already have some other ace pitching because I mean, I mean, the thing is with the Mets now with Steve Cohen as owner, they're expected to actually spend a lot more now, but like, for example, the Yankees, it's going to be hard to see who predict who they commit to. So if they commit to Bauer, they might just be looking at one year because they're not expected to have that heavy of a payroll this offseason. Angels are expected to have a heavy 
payroll in the offseason. But I mean, if they if they want to look at some locking up some of their other guys in future years, I don't know if I just don't know if they'll go after Bauer. Well, I, you kind of segued right into where I wanted to go, which is I think he ultimately kind of will end up being uh, on the Angels was was my prediction. And I do think that would kind of be a long multi-year contract. But I like the perspective that, that what you're bringing up, that it kind of matters on the destination what that deal ends up looking like, that certainly the Yankees wouldn't be able to pay him a big multi-year contract to like where the Mets would be able to. And I love that you touched on the Mets as well, because kind of the expectation now, right, that you got Steve Cohen, that they're going to go out and spend and get every, they're reportedly in on every big free agent, man. So I think the Mets are, are going to come up a lot in our prediction talk going forward. But I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if the Mets actually are, are going to be as big a spender as everybody says. But I kind of like Angels, dark horse man, and and they don't have really much money elsewhere to commit to pitchers, and I think that's a clear need for them. So go out and get Trout some help. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, I wonder if like, I mean, Artie Moreno says he expect he expects the Angels payroll is not. It, to, to actually maintain relatively stable this off season. And yeah, but I mean, they did fail to get Garrett Cole last year, which is the, maybe the one thing I was thinking. I just wonder if that will possibly reflect their ability to, to get, a, to get a, another pitcher like Bauer. But and, and no, no, the only other thing, the only other factor, which kind of brings us into our next free agent on the list was list that, would maybe make the angels avoid spending for pitcher, but I think they shouldn't spend for this guy is possibly if like a team like them want to pursue a second baseman like DJ LeMayhew and DJ LeMay, he's going to be the, he's the big hitting free agent on the market. AL MVP this year or or sorry, third in AL MVP voting this year. He was my pick for AL MVP fourth in AL MVP in 2019 won the AL batting title and, 2020 and his defense and base running are average at best now, but he is definitely versatile, can play throughout the infield. And just, I mean, he's he's like one of those rare contact hitters in this day and age, like we've raved about time and time again. So I just think he's going to be, he's going to be the other, I think he's arguably the one of the biggest hit, hit, hitting free, free agent signings on the hitting side of things, free agents on the hitting side of things available. He probably is. I think he's the big fish out there and, and the biggest guy who could change your lineup. And I just kind of personally, man, I don't see the Yankees letting him get away. Do you think DJ LeMahieu stays in New York or is, is the is the grass greener on the other side? Quite possibly. But just looking at the Yankees, they might hold on to him. But if they want to improve their pitching and maybe go after one of those pitching free agents, like that's the other thing that brings me to the thought about, you know, Bauer or, yeah, one of those other free agent pitchers, if, especially if not picking up the option on packs. And I just don't know if they could really also afford to keep DJ LeMayhew. And I mean, I mean, he would definitely be a valuable asset to hold on to for sure. And I mean, but I mean, I just don't know if. If the Yankees are gonna want to re- really pursue that much, given that they have so much more depth in their hitting than they do in their pitching, but I mean, oh. he is the most valuable, probably the most valuable offensive asset they have out of all their great hitters, which is saying something in their orders. So, 
So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees decide to move forward with keeping him. Oh, I like what you said, too, though, about that they have a lot of offensive depth, so maybe it makes more sense to pursue a pitcher. And and then that's kind of maybe you start talking yourself into Trevor Bauer, who would certainly be more expensive than DJ LeMayhew. But looking at it that way, it all, it, I mean, it seems makes him seem expendable-ish, which is is probably dumb of me to say, considering you said it. He's two years in a row, top four MVP. He's arguably the Yankees' best hitter. Um, I think most Yankees fans would probably say Aaron Judge still, but DJ LeMahieu is as consistent as any hitter in baseball, and you, you don't really have to worry about like signing him and that money kind of just tanking. And, and I don't want to jinx anything and and like curse his health or anything, but it seems a pretty pretty safe, sure bet to contribute. So I, I think there's a lot of it's a high floor free agent, and that's why he's going to be so popular. If there was a team, though, that could double up and, and tag team get Trevor Bauer and DJ LeMahieu, who is that team? I don't, will, will anyone be able to tag up and get that? I mean, <laughs> that's big thinking there. But, I mean, the, I mean, it looks like the one, the one team that looks like they'll actually be suitors for maybe both of them is, once again, I think maybe the – the Mets of anyone would probably yeah. be that team is what is what I think just given where they are, given how, how he feels those how those guys kind of fill the voids they need. I just don't know if the other teams necessarily need both those voids to be filled necessarily. So yeah, I'd have to probably go with the Mets. I mean, maybe to some ex maybe to some extent the Nationals. I don't yeah, they got money to spend too. But but yeah, but I don't know if like they'll really go after pitching though with the national quite possibly. But I mean, but I can just see the Nationals having this trend. They want to be aggressive after having such a disappointing season when they defended their title. So that one maybe surprised me as much either. I think they're definitely I think they're definitely maybe one of the more likely suitors for LeMayhew for sure. Yeah. And maybe maybe they're the more likely one for both of them. It's hard to give one suitor for both teams, but don't you kind of see those two teams, the Mets, Nationals, anyone else in that mix of who could be like mega signers like that? <laughs> Mets was exactly the answer I was going for, that you know they're the ones who are rumored to be in on everybody. You've got the eccentric billionaire owner who can afford to sign everybody in theory. So yeah, I was thinking Mets there too, but I think Washington, not a bad pick. And I do think DJ LeMayhew would be a great fit in that lineup, kind of exactly the player that they need. Be a pretty uh, pretty awesome replacement for what they lost in Anthony Rendon uh, moving on last year. I think they could maybe get a little bit of that championship swagger back. Um, but moving on to another free agent, the Mets, who are rumored to be in on, and another guy who is rumored to be the best catcher in all of baseball. Uh, Perhaps to sticking on the theme of rumors, a guy who is is being rumored to be the heir to Gary Sanchez's throne for the Yankees uh, is, is one I've heard as well. That's right. It is JT Real Muto, the Phillies or former Phillies catcher, I should say. He is one of the best bats in baseball in, in terms of a catcher, probably the best bat in baseball for a catcher. And the defense is pretty elite as well. And people are going to pay for him because catchers who can hit are pretty rare and ones who can hit and play defense deserve to be paid a lot of money. Uh, so I, I feel like I talked a lot on JT Real Muto there, Ben. Uh, what are your opinions on him and where you think he might end up? 
Oh, I just think, I mean, everything's incredible about him. There's just so there's just not enough to say about him. I mean, I mean, there's obviously there's always a risk with like the big signing of him. There's always there's always like as there is with any players, but I could definitely. But yeah, he's another he's another one. I think. I mean, I think I don't, I don't think the the fantasy of him maybe being filling the Gary Sanchez maybe that him, that Gary Sanchez fantasy in New York you were talking about behind the dish is not unrealistic and. But seeing, I mean, seeing teams like the Phillies, how they've how they've been able to spend a lot these past few off seasons. I mean, they could definitely. I could. I could even see him re-signing with the Phillies. But I mean, then again, this is another guy. You have the Mets in the mix for him. Could be their next Mike Piazza. So this is. So I. It, it's re, it's really not what I could totally predict. But I think whoever gets him might be the ultimate. Like as you said, winner. I mean, I can't blame you for raving on him because I mean, whoever gets him could be maybe the ultimate winner of free agency. To be honest, and I talked about I like you saying too, an ultimate winner of free agency. He does seem like a guy who could be the big get, could be a, a guy who can perhaps turn a franchise around. And and for me, I think that could be the long struggling franchise that is the New York Mets. I think that Real Muto is the one that they do go out and get and. That's already a pretty strong lineup. And then I think you add another bat to the middle of the order like that, and it really can maybe all click together, kind of go to the next level. And Real Muto kind of had, I don't know, he, he didn't quite ignite that in, in uh, Philadelphia. And I think that's maybe more about the pieces that weren't around him. Uh, because, I mean, he's been pretty awesome last couple of years, just as like he has been uh, when he was with the Marlins. And I mean, he gives you power. He gives you great average. He gives you great on base. He, he kind of does it all as a hitter and definitely a guy you can slot into the middle of your lineup and extremely durable too, which is, is definitely another huge plus to the position and something that you would like to be able to check off when you were signing a guy to a hundred million plus dollar contract. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of, and speaking of another well-versed player on the free agent market, you have George Springer, also another big name, been a huge part of this Astro success over the last few years. The dreaded Astro success. He has flashed 30 plus home run pop and OPS around 900 in the last few years. And I mean, honest, honestly, he doesn't show any really any signs of 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 dwindling at all. Like, I mean, these uh, some of these other guys. I mean, maybe. There were always times you could point to signs of some of them dwindling, but I just don't feel that way with George Springer. And he's like one of the most value. I mean, he's especially valuable leadoff hitter, like has so much power and power for a leadoff hitter too. And, and just really, and really great aggressive hitter. So I think he's, I think whoever gets George Springer is going to be in, is going to be in for a treat this next season. I mean, I have a few of my predictions for him. Like maybe he could help revamp the Mets outfield. I just wonder. Everybody's the Mets man. Yeah, I know. But I just also wonder. I just don't know if he's still gonna want to stay in Houston. Is what is is what's interesting. I mean, there's there's some talk that maybe the Astros might be ready to clear shop with some of their guys because they still have a good young core. Yeah, and maybe Houston is kind of at an impasse, uh, a crossroads in their future where we see if they're moving forward with that old core of cheaters or if they try and put mm -hmm. a fresh face on thing and change their evil ways. But 
a guy who is not changing his evil ways at the plate, uh, George Springer, like you said, man, year in, year out, he just produces. Uh, OPS has, has been over 900 consistently. He, he gives you great power for a guy who's going to bat in that leadoff spot and gets on base a lot, which is another thing you want in that leadoff spot. Plays good defense. And kind of the more we go through this list, man, I just I love this class of, of hitters that are available in free agency. and. It's a lot of guys that are, are going to be able to change a team if you're – I mean, and it doesn't – it's no, like, uh, you know, crazy contracts that we're expecting really either. There's no Bryce Harper, $300 million, Manny Machado, $250 you know, million dollar contracts looming. I think – I mean, maybe I could see Trevor Bauer getting something, like, close-ish to that. But I don't think any of these hitters really are going to be too, too ridiculously priced. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see that. But – I think Springer, in in that context, not being too ridiculously priced. Uh, I know Adam wrote down his contract prediction here: four years, eighty-four million, and that sounds like a bargain to me, man. Yeah, and 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 I just think it's interesting to m- move forward with a guy like that. I mean, seeing how the seeing how the rest of the free agent market is shaping up with like some of these other hitters i mean he's kind of i think i think he could be one of honestly one of the best outfielders on the market so like yeah i kind of agree with you that might that might seem like a little bit of a bargain there too and given like his experience and everything yeah i hadn't really thought of that either in the position scarcity context but i think springer definitely leading the way in terms of outfielders so if you're a team that has a big gap in, in the outfield and you need a little bit more production out there, I mean, and honestly, maybe the Astros could be that team if, if they kind of move forward in a new direction like we're talking about. Uh, I know Michael Brantley, I believe, is a free agent for them as well, a guy we'll discuss on a future show. But they could have some holes in that outfield and definitely could look rebuild-ish. I'm sure they're not going to tank out all the way, but yeah, if Springer leaves, that could be new look Astros, which I'm sure you wouldn't be too upset about being out there in the AL West. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, not just me, but I'm sure the baseball world outside of Houston would not be too upset about them moving on. <laughs> but yeah, we got and we got we got quite a list of free agents to go over these next weeks. But so far, despite I mean, despite all these list of names, despite despite what's expected to be a fair, I mean, despite busy list of free agents in the offseason. I'd say definitely one of the busier offseason free agencies over recent years we've had because it kind of varies year by year, but this I would say is one of the busier ones. But then you just haven't had much spending now. So it's still it's gonna be so we have we have some interesting months ahead, interesting months ahead for the game of baseball to see where they move forward with in terms of deciding to start spring training, where we're at around that time if we're going to really have another full if we're if we're going to have to have another shortened season next year so this so these next few months should definitely answer a lot more of these questions and hopefully and hopefully these next weeks and while we're waiting to do it we can break down we'll have time to break down more of these free agents you couldn't uh, I couldn't have said it better myself uh ben definitely a lot of great stuff to break down coming forward and a lot of action still ahead in this offseason and, and what has been a crazy year so far. Another thing looking forward to discussing, uh, some potential big trades maybe happening. We got Francisco Lindor, Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, uh, names 
circling around quite a bit. So maybe there'll be some action there in the coming weeks to discuss as well. Uh, but until next time, this has been the Exit Below podcast presented by Back Sports Page. Happy late Thanksgiving to everybody. And thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.